Hello, welcome to the Last Picture Podcast. These episodes are recorded at the Lucadia Photo Works Photo Studio located here in Encinitas, California. It's not only a collective of amazing photographers, artists that are available for hire, it's also a studio that's available for rent, equipped with a cyclorama and equipment that's available for rental if needed. So make sure to check us out on the internet at lucadiaphotoworks.com and you can find us on Instagram at lucadiaphotoworks. If you're one of those people who have become addicted to getting tattoos or maybe you're finally wanting to get that long thought out and long awaited tattoo or maybe you have a tattoo on your body that you hate, it's actually one of your really bad decisions and it's time to get it covered up with something that represents you better, then you need to make sure that you choose a tattoo shop that has true and talented artists. The shop that you should check out for your tattoo work is Allegory Tattoo down in Normal Heights on El Cajon Boulevard. Pete and Narnia are talented and creative artists who only do custom tattoo work. They can take your crazy and obscure ideas of what you want on your body and help create that perfect custom piece for you. You should check them out at AllegoryTattoo.com. This episode is also brought to you by Steel Realty, a boutique real estate agency located here in Cardiff, California. They are local experts and their main goal is simple, to make their clients happy. So make sure to check them out on the internet at realtysteel.com to make sure that you have the best experience possible when you buy or sell your next home. This episode, Teresa and I got to talk with commercial photographer Tim Eubanks, and that's Tim with two M's. I forgot to ask him why he has two M's. <laughs> Still a mystery. <laughs> yeah, so that mystery will not be solved on this podcast, but we did talk to him about his 30 years of experience with commercial photography. Tim has been a commercial photographer for over 30 years. He specializes, or is best known for his wine photography. He's a wine and beverage and food photographer. He shot for many years up in Sonoma County and Napa Valley, California. Um, he shot for brands and still shoots for brands such as Mondavi Winery, Sebastiani Wines, Kundi Family Estate, Islands Restaurant, Ghirardelli Chocolate, Visa, Kirkland Brands, you know, from Costco, Paul Mitchell, Hair Care, and Architectural Digest. Um, it's fascinating talking to a photographer like him because he shoots such a different kind of photography than Teresa and I. Mm-hmm. He has to shoot inanimate objects, but it seems like it takes a lot more precision, precision, patience, free thought. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Um, it's definitely not a kind of on a whim. Like most of the time, it's not natural light. Um, it's quite a science and he's perfected it. Yeah. So we also talked about his love of cars and in particular VWs and all the cool cars he's had over the years from his childhood up until present day, uh, a lot of cool stories there, and uh, just about how he got to where he is today. A lot of, uh, you know, from shooting four by five film cameras up to um, kind of a, being a pioneer in the digital age of photography. Yes, that I love. Hope you enjoy this episode, and remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Last Picture Pod. Subscribe to us on iTunes and we would love, love, love a five-star review because that's how podcasts get found, as you know. So thanks again and enjoy the episode. Hey, it's another day and we're hanging out talking to photographers. It's not so bad. 
This is The Last Picture, a podcast not just about photography. Because sometimes the coolest part about being a photographer are the stories behind the shot and the adventures that get you there. What did you? What is this wine that you so graciously gifted us? So this is uh, Ocasio Petite Syrah, and it's from the Livermore Valley. John Kinney is the winemaker. It's really good. And you it's a, a, a fine quality. Very high quality, well, yes. It's delicious. Yeah, it is. Thank you. It smells delicious, too. Mm. I think this is how we should do all our podcasts. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to start stocking up the... Um, we could ask him to be our sponsor, one of our sponsors. Yes. <laughs> there you go, wine sponsors. Sponsored by Tim. Yes, or? wanted wine sponsors for podcasts. Or, okay. or photographers that shoot a lot of wine. Oh, yes. Tim. Tim's one of our sponsors. Yeah, sponsoring, I'll sponsor. Sponsoring this That's a different episode. Kind of, hopefully, we won't have to sponsor you another way if there's too much wine, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, let's not hope not. Yeah, we, we were trying to figure out where to jump in, really, mm-hmm. like with um, talking about commercial photography and maybe where you began, because we didn't know if you always did food, food and wine. That was like the commercial specialty, or if there's other stuff. It kind of went... All over the place. You know, it started really? off with a, you know, starting with, well, racing photography was originally what I did, um, where I would do oh. off-road racing. So I was in Baja and things like that, because I, I was into it myself. I, I off-road raced. Oh, really? But then I realized like, that I wasn't a rich boy, and I couldn't be. have a race car. So I took my race car that I had built and just turned it into a vehicle that I could go out into the desert and chase people <laughs> and take pictures of them. So that's how I kind of got started. I mean, I was in photo school at the time. How old were you? Uh, 22, 23, somewhere in there. And this is when you lived in Southern California? Yeah, I lived in Redondo Beach and uh, would go do a lot of that with and just take pictures of cars. And then I started selling the images and that kind of got me started. That's cool. So, and then, you know, I was in LA, so I had to do headshots, lots of headshots, lots of wannabe models. Yeah. And uh, which was fun. Yeah. I learned a lot that. Do you purposely decide to become a photographer or just kind of, you kind of fell into it? I kind of fell into it. <clears throat> I think that part of it was that I did a, um, my grandpa was an artist, a fine artist. And I used to sit around while he would paint. He was out in Temecula and I really dug art, but I wasn't an artist or that's not what I ever considered myself. Mm-hmm. And I never took photos. I never took any pictures till I was in my twenties. Never mm-hmm. even picked up a camera. And mm-hmm. then, uh, had a friend who was in the Navy and would send me all these photos. My, my bedroom when I was like 16, 17 was just covered with photos from uh, all over the world. Oh, oh really? I, black and white. I loved black and white. And I just had framed photos. And I was, you know, so it's kind of, it's kind cool. of bizarre for a 16-year-old kid to have framed photos all over their room, like <laughs> art, fine art looking stuff. Of just things you would find or the pictures that you What he did, what he took, okay. like what he would shoot, he'd send them to me. Um, from the Philippines or from, you know, Japan or wherever he was, because he was just having to shoot constantly. He was six years older than me, still to this day, my best friend. And uh, oh, wow. he just was into it. And he would send me, I just would look at these photos and look at these photos. And I, I realized that I dug it. You know? Was it um, landscape or p- of the people? It was, it was a lot of um, almost technical kind of stuff. So it's kind of funny that I did get into <laughs> product photography because it was like the picture of an airplane engine. Because he was in the Navy. He had to shoot what they told yeah. him to shoot. And it was all four by five. <laughs> Black and white. Wow. So it was just, I mean, now some of the photos I have still have, they're just killer because they're That's insane they're really that he was cool. shooting four, he was shooting yeah. four by five black and white 
for his job or on yeah. purpose. The Navy, that's what they had. They had the Graf Lex. And I mean, you know, this is in the 80s, in the 90s. This would be in the, no, I'm old. So it was, <laughs> this was in the 70s. In the 70s? Yeah. So. Um, Scripps and has photographers that do jobs like this too still, right? Uh, to, to this day. Where they're out on. We shoot large and, format though? No, probably not large format. <laughs> not right, these days. Right. But yeah. Oh, that's, that's interesting. So. When you started shooting film, mm-hmm. uh, obviously film photography right. back back then, but um, shooting racing, what kind of camera were you shooting? Large form- format? I, I, nope. Mm-hmm. 35 millimeters. Originally, I was shooting with Minolta's, and I had a a moment, it would almost be a movie-type moment, where I was shooting Minolta's, and I had two of them go down like in the middle of a... I mean, I was hired <laughs> to shoot this, and they both stopped working. <laughs> and I looked around, all the other pro photographers were using Nikons and Canons. Oh, no. I literally... Went home, tossed them in the trash, <laughs> and went out and bought Nikon um, high eye point, the F3 high eye point cameras, which are titanium. They, they can take the dust. They can yeah. take the beating. And I bought two of those, and wow. just that's what I shot with. So, Did you but, lo- did you lose the job, or did you get a few shots? I actually got a few shots. I kind of <laughs> faked it. Um, yeah. I had enough to come back. It was a motorcycle race, and I had enough coming back that I was able to pull it off, but they were like, God, there's not very much stuff here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't, oh, that, wasn't a very long race. And yeah. I, hey, I was young. You know, that I, I, I cheesed myself out of it. You yeah. learned early on that things can go wrong. Yeah. Back up, back up, back up. Right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I've I've thought about that when I'm shooting weddings that, I mean, I obviously always shoot with two cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if something really went, went wrong, I look around at the guests and see which guest has their, like, their Canon <laughs> and, and oh, have a plan that I will, like, ask them, beautiful. I'll pay she them to use their bo- backup camera. <laughs> my backup out. idea that I could pay them, I'll pay them money if I can use the body for the rest of the shoot. You're like, that, that girl, great. that I girl just, right there. I just learned <laughs> just something. my backup plan. <laughs> it's, ha- it's happened because I've had shutters go out and yeah. throughout my years. Um, not so much with the newer cameras, but I was shooting my... My old Canon, the Mark V, the original one. I, I've had a few shutters go up, and that might be how I'm shooting. But yeah, they, you know, hammering it down too much. But <laughs> <laughs> Mexico, I love Mexico. That's awesome that you spent a lot of time down there. Yeah, it was fun. It was a kind of a good learning ground. You know, it, it was more not to make money. It was more to do something on the weekend. You know, sometimes I mean, even though it made money, it wasn't kind of what got me into it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you put that stuff up on websites at, at any point in time? No. What I've done is I've had a bunch of people tell me that I need to hold on to that stuff yeah. and not let it get out to social media because some of it are people now who are, you know, Jimmy Johnson and, you know, these NASCAR race people who actually now are oh. big name people that I have now what is historical footage of them. Whoa. So I don't really want to just post it everywhere and someday I'm going to when I'm semi-retired, <laughs> I'd like to go through all of that film and find, I mean, I find stuff all the time. I'm like, oh my God, this is so-and-so in the desert when he was 17 years old, you know, and now he's wow. 50 something and, you know, kind of a legend, that's you know. That's going to be epic. So that's why I'm kind of, you know, it's I haven't really done what I should do with it, but it'll happen. Well, someday. I mean, what would be the point of putting it out there yet? Right. And except for making sure that the right people know you have it when you are ready to sell it. Yeah, and once in a while, I've I've had a few things where I've had some old off-road racers who will contact me because someone will say, "Oh, I think that you know Timmy Banks has this blah 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 you know image," and then I find an image that's really fun because they get so stoked. At this point, you know, I'll make them a print and send it to their shop, and it's like oh, yeah. the guy's been retired for twenty years, and I got shots of him, 
and the, the son is the one who contacted me. It was really, it's really fun because they're wow, cool. picture of dad doing something, you know. That's cool. That's really yeah. cool. It's just that when like um, Discovery or something does a documentary and wants some shots. Right. That's, that, that, that's where you come in. They need to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tim has them, so. Yeah, I have them. Go find Tim Eubanks. <laughs> what was your first commercial photography job after racing? How did you, how did you transition into um, what you're doing now? Well, I was, um, I was in school. At a, I went to a JC and was in the photo department and was doing a, you know, two-year, you know, to get my certificate in photography. And I, I had an art director call me who knew a friend of a friend of a friend, one of those kind of things. And uh, in fact, it was the guy who I learned all the black and white, the, the Navy photographer. Oh, cool. His uncle was like, knew someone and they said, we need a photo shoot for Sherwin-Williams paints. And it was like, really? And they said, do you know how to use a four by five? And I'd been using a four by five in class. And I said, sure. You know, and then I got off the phone and I thought, I can't do this. I'm not ready. And then I went and bought like literally those Smith Victor pen, you know, those light, those bottles. <laughs> The art director must have fallen over when I walked in the studio with my assistant <laughs> with an old beat up four by five and those clip lights and foam core. And we shot a whole campaign of paint cans. Nice. And uh, it was it was a great job. It was really good. But then that just started. Then I got another client. I got another. So it was product. Is That's how I got into product photography. Just someone called me and I said, yeah, I can do that. You know, and I think I said it was $60 an hour and thought I was charging so much, you know. First of all, I said by the hour, which was really should have been a clue to them. Yeah. Um, But then also, you know, what my price was. But they're like, okay. And they must have liked it because I worked for them about four years. So that's awesome. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Do you you remember those images? Like, I still have some of the four four by five transparencies from that. They're just boring as can be. They're, but, just, they're literally paint cans. You but know? are you um, <laughs> embarrassed by it? Are you like, oh, I did okay? No, I think I did okay. Because I was in school already for a year, year and a half. I knew how to light stuff. You know, I knew how to do it. And I knew how to use the 4 by 5 very well. And I, I was fine with it. It was just more showing up with, you know, your gear that's completely, you know, janky. I rented a studio. You know, I rented a little studio from my teacher in college. Let me rent a studio for 25 bucks a day. Oh my gosh. In Orange County. So I have to thank him. Yeah. He's that's the guy. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm still finding myself coming in with some makeshift stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it works though, you know? It, like our, it, our, hey, you can be uh, innovative as a photographer to, yeah. yeah. you know, once you know what you need, you just need to like bounce and block right. and. <laughs> if you yeah. give me foam core and gaffer's tape, you can do a shoot, you, you know, pretty lot, much. Right? It's amazing what you can do. Yeah. Yep. Headlights. Yeah. Headlights on the car sometimes. Oh, I just yeah. use a headlamp. Um, I use a headlamp yeah. for a shoot oh, the other day, go. actually. It was uh, outside. It was getting dark, and I just took this headlamp I just bought for to actually use because I was huh? up in Big Sur, and I was like, hey, what would I do if I just put this on the subject? And I was like, oh, my yeah. gosh. I'm, I'm going to – instead of video lights, I'm just going to buy a bunch of headlamps right. and just like <laughs> – Yeah, so well, we were talking about commercial, and you must have enjoyed it, right? Yeah, I did. And I, I, I kind of got into product photography because I started realizing that it was, even though I'd been shooting, you know, models and I'd been shooting, you know, auto racing, you know, things that are a little more exciting and people and things going on and, you know, the whole thing. I liked the product thing because it was so like, it was slow moving, especially with the four by five. It was very methodical and you were, you were, your lighting was so critical. I realized that when you light a face, you can make a mistake and everyone goes, oh, it's art. But if you light a product and the highlights are wrong and you can't read their label, 
Yeah. It's not art. <laughs> it's a failure. It's just so not done. I yeah. dug that. I dig that to this day. You know, that that's why I like to shoot wine bottles. Because, the perfectionism. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of an OCD thing. Um, and uh, You kind of have to be like a scientist, right? Where you measure everything and everything yeah. is perfectly. And then like catalog work, you know, not just catalog work, but when I'm shooting for clients that I've been shooting for for 20 years, I have to match the lighting that I did three years ago. So I do take notes. I do take, you know, now with digital, it's easier because you can look at old meta, you can look at metadata, but it used to be, I'd shoot four by five. I'd measure how far my lens was, where the lights were. I'd stand back and take an actual Polaroid with an SX-70, you know, so I would be able to see what I did. Because if that client comes back, I need to match that, you know, so. Yeah. And you have your go-to setups. What's that? You have your go-to setups I that do. you I, use? Like, I have, do you have maps and... I have my my assistant that actually You're, teases me that <laughs> because I always light from the left, mm-hmm. and she always says, "Well, why do you?" And one day she then she went on to become a, a photographer, and she's like, "I always light from the left; it's, it's <laughs> killing me." And because I I read from left to right, so I want the shadow to fall to the right. But also mm-hmm. when I come back five years later and they want the picture of something, yeah. I know that I lit it from the left and the shadow fell to the right. So I can make, they can put those two images together and they're going to, the shadow's going to fall the same way and it's not going to mess with someone's head. Yeah. So it's kind of funny that's almost becoming an obsession. I never (laughs) thought about that, but I always light from the left also. And we do when we set up in the studio here. Yeah. Yeah. I I almost always do. I think it's because we read left to right. Um, And then I did the back cover, which would be the front cover for a Japanese magazine years ago and realized that. It looked odd to me because the shadow was going to the right, but it was on the cover, was on the back because they read opposite way. Mm-hmm. Do you find yourself <laughs> um, just in daily life looking at objects and how light falls on it or wishing it? Do, do, do you do this when you're not yeah. shooting? Yeah, my family makes fun of me. So, <laughs> Like what? Just, I, I'll, I'll oh, look at that light. I'll be walking to the house and there'll be some light coming through a window and I'll be like, <laughs> look at that light. And my wife is nice to me. So she'll go, yeah, that's nice. You know, she'll comment, but I know she really doesn't care. You know, she really doesn't. But um, I do it constantly. When we're driving, it's horrible. You know, look at that light over the mountain. Look at that. You know, I just, I, 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 have, to, I have to stop myself. You still appreciate you, it. That means yeah. you still love it. Yeah. I, lo- I mean, I love the light on a ballpoint pin when you're photographing it, as opposed, you know, it's always like landscapes are beautiful. The ocean is beautiful, all these different things. But there's sometimes where I'll be just stoked about some little highlight coming off of something. I mean, you and I shot together. And, you know, yeah. when you're looking at the beer, you're like, look at that backlight on that beer. Look at the glow. <laughs> and it's as a photographer, you get excited about it. It's, it's almost silly, but you do. Lighting is kind of almost everything. Right. Almost. I mean, sometimes it's hard yeah. to do these shoots when there's no light. A cloudy day is so beautiful for like an overall softbox Mm-hmm. light you can shoot any direction it kind of saves you but when you're shooting when you're shooting people but it also limits you because it doesn't give you that light to inspire you at right least, at least pretty, i find i find that pretty like, dull it's yeah. pretty it's kind dull. of dull and i don't have yeah. that like that extra thing so you have to kind of go entirely on something else like a background or composition or moment with the person instead of like uh that extra pop that bling I call the, it yeah it's like we like shiny objects you know it's like <laughs> yeah that's something Something, right? So does product photography ever get lonely? Uh, Yeah, it does. There are times (laughs) where I've been spent time in the studio where it's just, you know, big jobs where you have just the same thing over and over. Um, I shoot for a a great company, but 
it's tile. And I might shoot 125 Mm -hmm. tiles or 200 tiles that are all the same shape, different color. But then what happens is it starts getting into the color correction and I get really obsessed with that. So it gets interesting, but then I'll step back and go, wow, this is amazing that I'm actually going to do this for two days, you know? Yeah. But then but, you can listen to podcasts yeah, and just hang out that's and what be I do. in your world, right? Yeah. <laughs> I find new music all the time. <laughs> um, so you actually find the color correcting a fun aspect. Yeah. I don't know if I call it fun, but I, <laughs> I, I find it challenging when you're, because, you know, it'll reflect a different color than it actually is, you know, like clothing, as you know, sometimes you'll shoot something, it's a red, it's a it's a black, and it'll come out magenta, a little bit of magenta, and you have to deal with that. So I'll deal with it. I used to deal with it in camera. When you shot 4 by 5 film, you had to put filters in front of the lens and cut that magenta or whatever. So that was fun. And I had a color meter back then, too, which you'd have to lay in the shot, do the color meter. It would tell you you need 0.05 magenta, you know, cyan, 0.10, wow. you know, 0.10, and you'd, you'd layer those in front of it. And so you'd have to color correct before wow. you shot it. So I think that was a good training ground, though, for digital. Yeah. Because I kind of could look at things and know where, what I'm going to need to do in post-production. Yeah, you must, you understand the entire, right. what to do afterwards. It's like you if you've done you darkroom work. Yeah. If you've done darkroom work, Photoshop is easier, you know, because exactly. you've, you've been in the darkroom, you've watched it process, you've watched it do it, you know where you want to burn, you know where you want to dodge. We're doing the same thing in Photoshop. We're just... Mm-hmm doing it without our hands sticking in chemicals, yeah, you know. And a lot yeah. cheaper ultimately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, getting into digital mm-hmm. from film, you you kind of pioneered that whole realm, right, in your your genre of photography being Yeah, it was interesting because the Bay Area, in San Francisco Bay Area, that's kind of where the digital thing kind of started. I had friends in New York who were working doing big, I mean, big projects and Mike, my friend, would call me from New York. He's he's like, you ought to move here, man. You could make a jillion dollars because no one knows how to do digital. Mm. And this was like in 2000, 2001, you know. Mm-hmm. He said, no one even understands it. He says, when I'm in the shooting in the Bay Area, it's like, yeah, what's the big deal? Wow. So it was interesting. So the Bay Area was kind of a great place to be at that time. Wow. Um, and being in Sonoma County, Napa, you know, shooting wine bottles and shooting stuff. Digital really made sense because the digital back I bought Nothing can be moving because it's a scan back, mm-hmm. which gives you a really high resolution, uh, you- 143 megabyte four by five image. So oh, it was like, lovely. it's a four by five camera. You just, the same four by five camera you've been using for years. You've got your, your Toyo or whatever you're shooting with. Instead of putting a sheet, a, a holder in with two sheets of film, you put in this back that's digital and it's cabled to the computer. And then you push the button and you have to, at first it was so complicated to me. I thought, what have I done? I have no (laughs) idea what I'm doing. I mean, I hadn't even, I didn't even know how to use a computer at the time. I had to learn how to do a computer and the back and all that. It was 1997 when I bought this system. It was like $30,000 too for this. It was one of those, I am going to take the leap. I'm going to do this. And then I made the biggest mistake a husband can make. I called (laughs) my wife about a week and a half hour I bought it. But what we can have late after I bought it, I said, I think we blew it. I think I did. I shouldn't have bought it. No one wants to use it. And the silence on the end of the phone, <laughs> I think I heard her ring hit the table. I'm not sure. But <laughs> it was one of those where I, I realized, why would you say that? Why would you even go? But I was really stressed because every client I called was like, oh, no, we still want to stick with film. And I'm like, but I just bought the system that 
is so outrageous, you know? So you should have eventually, just said, okay, $30,000 yeah. for the film shoot so I can pay for my digital. Yeah. Well, what happened was at first people were saying, well, it's cheaper, right? Because we don't have to pay for film. Yeah. So all of a sudden they're like, well, I mean, we were paying $1,000 in 4x5 and Polaroid film for each shoot. So we don't have to pay that anymore, right? And I'm like, no, that there still has to be that built into my fee because I spent $30,000 on something that's going to be obsolete, you know? And they're wondering, so, though, why it benefits them then at that right, point. Right, right. So what I did is I did a promo that was really, really sharp objects like razor blades, wine openers, things like that that were very sharp. And I shot macro shots of them with the system and sent out a book that had five or six images in each time that showed how sharp the, the images were. And that started getting people to understand. Then I started shooting pure white objects like paper, uh, just I did like a Dear John letter that I wadded up so you'd see it, you know, things like that. So they could mm-hmm. see that, that it actually was color correct as well. So I was shooting things that people knew what color it was, like mm-hmm. an extension cord that was that bright orange and things like that. And did a promo so that people would go, oh, wait, this is as good. And then the trash that we weren't making at the time, at the end of a shoot. So I took a picture of our trash can that looked like the Mac trash can. When we filled it with all the Polaroid trash from that day's shoot. Took a picture of it. Then we did the promo where next to it was the Mac. Oh there you sold it to the yeah. Bay Area crowd with that. Didn't yes. You? yes, and they saw the no trash. Yeah, that we wow. weren't we weren't producing any trash. So then it started taking off. That was killer. Yeah. So and I learned while dealing with clients. So I kind of learned on their time, I guess. <laughs> so that at that point, the resolution was so good because it was a large format. Yes, kept digital capture basically because. When we started doing digital photography, the quality of the cameras, the first ones we had were not yeah. near what they are today. Right. Yeah. Not a lot of range. You lose your highlights really easy. Yeah. You pretty much shoot from like to 400 ASA. ASA. What am I? <laughs> 1978? <laughs> ISO. I, I totally ISO. was with you. I didn't even think about it. ISO. ISO is ASA for, uh, right? Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just reverted back to, to my old uh, Canon AE1. You're speaking film now. I know. Right. What happened? Whoa. <laughs> it's hanging out with the old guy. That, that was crazy. Film. I was That's speaking film camera for a second there. What was the last film camera you ever had, Teresa? Um, it was the Pentax. The Pentax. Yeah, K1000. I was a can, uh, an Icon F100. I still have it. Cool. I like love it still. Like it was did a lot of good for me. And when was the last time you shot it? <sighs> it's been a while. Oh, maybe 2004, because I was already shooting digital photography at a newspaper. I was. Uh, interning at, but I only owned a film camera, so I went and did a photography project in Romania by myself, and I shot slide film. Oh. Yeah, I've and seen then, some of those. And then it took me about six months when I got home to afford to develop any of the film. Right. So I embrace uh, digital wholeheartedly. Yeah, yeah. And also to be have, and also I was also so frustrated during the transition when I wasn't in college doing any film to like. Uh, I was so frustrated I couldn't, I didn't have a dark room to work in, you know? So having it, your own computer is yeah. kind of everything. How about you, Tim? Um, I kept my Hasselblad and my whole rig. So I still shoot some film with that. I still will go out and shoot with it once, maybe every two or three months. Um, for yourself? Or just for myself. I, I do some car stuff with that. But um, most of it is just for myself. Like when I want to just go 
shoot off 12 frames, yeah. you know, and it's really, it's, I, I like this. Sound. I had an old guy standing next to me while I was shooting going, can you do that again? I thought he was like creepy, you know, but I realized <sighs> that he was just an old photographer Aww. who was so stoked to hear that noise, that clunk, 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 wow. clunk, clunk. Yeah, so, the winding. Yeah, the winding of the four by of the of the two and a quarter camera. So it's yeah. pretty pretty yeah. special that we live in this like in between yeah, you world. Can do both. You know, I, we were just right on the edge where we still shot a little film. You probably yeah. shot more than me. Yeah, I'm grateful. I was you know got to have the crossover. Yeah. Instead of just, I, I know a lot of photographers who are definitely younger who never touched film in their life and never been in a dark room, and right. it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, I think it teaches. I think it definitely teaches you quite a bit. There's there's something about that the tactile part of the film that yeah, I think is understanding cool. the entire <clears throat> concept of it or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, your highlights and your you know not just fixing it later. You yeah. Know, having yeah. a good good image before you go into Photoshop is always helpful. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, digital is definitely helpful these days when it comes to uh, fixing things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so last night I was shooting down at Cardiff Reef doing a um. It's for a magazine shooting a Volkswagen. It's a, a 1959 just Beetle that's all absolutely original. It had the original tires on it. Original it engine? Original everything. Oh, my god! It, so it's not perfect, but it's it has 41,000 miles on it, and it was stored, and the guy bought it and brought it here. So we're shooting it for, a, for an article. Wow. Um, and it's it's it just a beautiful runs, car. Runs oh, yeah, it's perfect. Well. It, it, it drives perfectly. It has It's literally like if you had a car that was – had 40,000 miles on it. So mm-hmm. it's like a time capsule. What? Yeah. Is that what you excites know? you about it? Yeah. It's because really like, almost more exciting than these ones that are completely restored and, you know, $50,000 put into them. And it's exactly how it came from the factory in Germany. And it's got some dirt spots here and there, and there's a little scratch here, but it's, it, it's, it's virtually a new car. And, you know, I mean, how often do you get to see a car that's from what, 58 years old, mm-hmm. 58 year old, new. that's still, Yeah original everything the tires were even the original tires on it we had they That's, and so he took those off and put because they're not safe you know they're they're 58 years old yeah <laughs> so, for a little, little right. cracked or yeah decayed. yeah yeah so um, what is it that you love about vw's i mean obviously it's kind of like your passion in life yeah, right it is and it kind of it sometimes it's one of those things i'm not sure why but um my dad i was brought home as a baby in a 1958 volkswagen so um so I kind of, my, my dad always jokes about that. I was the third kid. So I was put in that little back pocket that's in the very back of the, <laughs> as a baby. And we drove all over oh the Northwest gosh. and everywhere. And so the fumes got to me. That's what he always says. So anyway, but. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like the start of your autobiography <laughs> yeah. right there. <laughs> our friend, so our family had Volkswagens. That was something that we had. And my dad was a preacher. So he bought a Volkswagen bus. And in 1961 or 62, he would pick up kids in this bus to take them to church. So we didn't have a school, bu- like a church bus like they used to back in the day. Oh we had a Volkswagen bus that styling. he would pick people up. You know, that now I wish we had the car. In Redondo um, Beach. No, this was actually in the San Fernando Valley. This okay. was in Northridge when I was a little, little kid. Okay. Then we moved to Redondo when I was 10. So uh, Did the bus come with you? No, it didn't. The oh. bus didn't come with oh. us. They got rid of the bus. Um, so we didn't have any Volkswagens for years. And I just kind of, I just hung around with a lot of guys that were into the Volkswagens in Redondo Beach and Hermosa and that area that, you know, it's what we could afford. I mean, you could buy a bug for 300 bucks and you could work on it yourself because anyone, you give them a wrench and, you know, you can you can work on them. So it was It's one of those cars simple. that like, if you broke down in the middle of nowhere, you could, you could 
figure out how to fix it. Exactly. So, yeah. When I used to go to Mexico, I used to rent Volkswagen things. You know, the, the one oh, that the looks thing. like the, the little, okay. They, uh, not they, the, it's, it's a thing. It's called the thing. Yeah. yeah. It's called yeah. a 181 thing. And they're, they look like a little army car or something, right? They're yeah. open Jeep. And I used to rent those instead of the Novas and the, you know, back in the, I guess this was the eighties. They actually rented those in like Puerto Vallarta, place like that. Yeah. Cause I knew if it broke, we could fix it. We could be out in the jungle and you could just fix it. So, oh. um, why would you be out in the jungle? I don't know. Down there with a, with, just a, with a thing. For fun. For fun. <laughs> I mean, is it for fun? Not going for yeah. shoot. This is no, just for no, fun. No, no, this was just for fun. Just vacations and stuff, just going way back into the, into places to go swimming and stuff, you know? So, but I have pictures that are just classic of the Volkswagen thing bouncing through the desert and different places I mean, down there. I've, you know, I'm not a car car person. No surprise. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I would see it's very car car love is very male heavy. I would think. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so that is one of the things yeah. I do love about Volkswagens is when you go to a Volkswagen show, and I mean that sounds funny, but I mean like two weekends ago, my wife and I went to a Volkswagen show, and there were 250 cars there probably down in Chula Vista, and every single one is different. Women are driving them. Men are driving them. Eighty year old guys driving them. 16-year-old guy, and everyone does their own thing. There's custom, there's lowered, there's raised, there's stock. There's just, they're they're just one of those cars that people smile when you drive. When you drive, That's you're true. just constantly watching people, either kids punching themselves, you know, punch <laughs> bug. Yeah. yeah. Or slug bug. everyone gives uh, you a slug buggy. bug. Thank you. I called it buggy. Yeah, giving you a thumbs up or something. Yeah. So it's like this kind of, it's kind of this thing where you almost don't want to take it if you're in a hurry. Like I won't take, I have a 62 ragtop. <laughs> and if I'm going to go to the store, I don't want to. Take it if I know that there's going to be an extra 15 minutes of having to talk to everybody. <laughs> you know, I've had old ladies tell me oh things like gosh. things I didn't want to know. They <laughs> lost their virginity when, you know, stuff like that in the back of a Volkswagen. I mean, there's been some crazy stories, you know, so. <laughs> wow. I would not have thought of that whole aspect of owning a, a VW. Yeah, yeah. In Southern California, like you know, have, people grew up cool with cart. them. Yeah. Oh. In Southern California, like in my high school, when I look in my yearbook, there's like Every other third car is a Volkswagen in the pictures because that's what was here. That's what everyone drove. Yeah. So it's very kind of just, it's a Southern California thing. Well, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of had that that cool factor then because right. I mean. It didn't back then though. It really wasn't cool, but mm. they were great for surf cars. You could also go on sand with them, you know, because the could? engine's in the back. Oh. So all your weight is over the back tires. So did they're you guys, good in snow. Did you guys drive you know? on the sand and? Well, if you were going somewhere like in Mexico or something okay. like that, yeah, like yeah. you could you could use them anywhere. You can use them like an off-road car almost, you know. So a but bus is, will go it anywhere. It is kind of like the overall. Like I was going to say, I'm not a car person, but mm-hmm. if I was like a car, it's VW. Yeah, buses for sure. Well, they're, they're like think about it, there was there was no such thing as a minivan. There was no such thing as an SUV. Yeah, that was it. I mean, you wanted to go with your family of five people somewhere and have surfboards and have whatever. You, you get you have a you have a bus. So it was before it's time. And and you're part of a, like a community of VW lovers here or what? Yeah, I belong to a a, a Volkswagen club in North County. Um North does County Air Cooled. North County Air Cooled. Um cuz they're all air cooled cuz they're air-cooled. they don't have a radiator. So it only has oil and the air is what cools it so it doesn't have to you don't ever add water. So all the people who love VWs are like, oh my God, I can't believe I don't know that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're learning something it's new. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So we didn't do our research. They're corny on. cars. I mean, they're they're just they're cute. People smile at you. No, you they know? are expensive. That's what they are. They, they are now. They are so cool and they're yeah, expensive. They weren't. I mean, you used to be able to just get them out of 
people's kind of like buying good property. Like you should have bought it when you oh, could, right? The ones that I got rid of over the years, I would have had a four hundred one k. If I wouldn't have gotten rid of some of the buses that but I you've had, had such, um, you don't have anywhere to park all those. You such yeah, foresight right. though in your yeah. photography career. How <laughs> right, come right. you couldn't think this way about your VW? I know. I don't you know. had to pay well, for five garages too. Well, we, <laughs> when we lived in Northern California, we had five of them at one time, and then when my daughter went to school, we sold them to help pay for her schooling. Oh. And at the time, they weren't worth a lot, but they were worth quite a bit at the time. So, but those would have been worth quite a bit now. But that's okay. We had them. We enjoyed them. And. Someone's enjoying them today. So that's the way I always look at it. That's how you, know? you should approach yeah. life. But is yeah. there part of you that was crying at each one? <laughs> There's one that my wife and I both, every time we see one that looks like it, we like, both look oh. at each other and she always says, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, because so, it was one that we I was like, oh, we should hold on to that. She's like, Which one no, is it? it? Which one was it? It's a um, 1959 single cab truck. So it looks like a bus. It has the back. The oh. back with the folding gates that go I down. I love those. Those are very That's what my unique, daughter, right? My daughter drove that to college. That's what she drove to end of high school and college oh. and only had 47,000 miles on it. We found it in a field, in a what? field literally behind our house. Never knew it was there. Went by for a yard sale. The guy said, hey, you want to see something cool? And took us out there. And I didn't know this guy. And he, yeah, if you want it, if you, you want to buy it. And I told him, yeah, I'd like to buy it. And he gave me a price. And my daughter said, well, I don't have that much in my, my bank account. And I think she was 17 at the time. She kind of enough that. And he goes, wait, it's for you? A young girl wants this? He goes, ah, he took $1,000 off. So he gave it to her for <laughs> half of what he was going to give it for me. Oh, so, my gosh. So that's what she drove. It was really cool. <laughs> that's fun. My daughter says she wants a bug. Uh-huh. I don't know, though. Yeah. I'm my, like a new one with airbags and yeah, extra right, right. reinforced okay. like, so this seat is, belts are important. <laughs> a little bit off subject, but my daughter um, had a Honda Accord. It got totaled. Someone rear-ended her. I had a 66 Volkswagen, and I let her use it to go to high school while her car was, while she'd get her money for her, her accident and everything. And then she announced to us when she got her money I think I want to buy a Volkswagen. And my wife and I were like, no, they're not safe. She's like, yeah. if you saw how I drove in my Honda and how I was on a cell phone and how I listened to the radio and I was always doing something, I was distracted. When I'm in your Volkswagen, all I do is drive it and I look left and I look right. I drive much safer because you know if you get hit, it's not good. It's like riding a motorcycle. Yikes. So yeah, yeah well, so we 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 sold her that Volkswagen. That, makes sense. No, that was a good yeah. argument, daughter. But I, yeah. there's holes in yeah. that argument. <laughs> <laughs> well, we lived in the country too. It was like you know we were on these country roads. It wasn't quite as you know. Anthony's wasn't like Lord. wasn't like Highway Five. You know. <laughs> no, that's cool that she got to drive something like that. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those cars are cool. So, do you often find um, when you're shooting wine? Or food, but maybe let's go with wine. That's, mm -hmm. Is it wine photography pretty much your specialty or or just? It's really beverage is what I'd say. So, beverage. you know, I shoot vodka and, mm. you know, spirits and beer and, and wine. But wine clients are probably my biggest, you know, I probably shoot 75% of my work is wine, winery related, whether it be wine or chef or whoever's at the winery. And it's mostly based um, Northern California? Mostly Northern California. Um, I do have clients that ship a lot of stuff down here to the studio, and I will shoot down here, you know, product shots, and, you know, we do it remotely. They can see what I'm shooting. Oh, yeah. Um, so we'll do that. But, you know, a lot of it is is up there. It's up in Sonoma, Napa. Uh, it could even be the, the the foothills of the Sierra, some of the wineries there, Lodi, that area. Yeah. Do they so, make you send it all back most of the time? Um, you know, it depends on the winery. Some 
I, I always have, you know, I, I have a, a, a return shipping on my invoice, but also it says, if you don't want it back, then I won't charge you that, you know, a little. But, yeah, a little incentive. Um, to Yeah, a little incentive. But I have some wineries that after the shoot, you know, because you have to have more than one bottle. You can't say, we're going to send you one bottle to shoot it. And then you get it and it's scratched or something. So they need to send a few, couple, three. So if there's going to be 10 bottle shot, you get 30 bottles. Yeah. So there are times mm. where I have quite the score <laughs> and my neighbors like me. They, they might love- not like me, but they like <laughs> that I have wine. So, <laughs> um, But so you're not always shooting in the studio though, right? Sometimes you have, you're shooting out on location. Yeah, I would, I would say most of the wine work is on location at the winery. Really? Yeah, it used to be more in the studio and I kind of push people away from that because they'd say, you know, we want this set to look like you're in Tuscany and this is, and we'd build a set all day and then shoot. And then I'd be, go to the winery, pick up the wine and look at what they have. And they've got these incredible properties in Napa, Sonoma. And it's like, you just shoot it there. So that's really where most of the wine is shot now is it's because it's a little more lifestyling now too. You know, it used to be so staid. It was like the wine glass, the bottle, mm-hmm. the, maybe a, some cheese next to it. You know, it's like very, you know, now that they've gotten so far away from that. So, so it's evolving and changing. Yeah, it is. It's getting a lot, lot more lifestyle-y, you know, I would say. Um, and that, that's been going on for a few years. Going with the trend of, of advertisement. Yeah. Did you, did you recognize that? I mean, you said you're kind of pushing that. You kind of recognize the, the draw of that approach yeah. beyond and, the studio. Well, you know, and also it kind of, you know, it, 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 it tells people about their winery too. I mean, why would you build a set in the studio when you have this beautiful winery that you're wanting people to come to because that's where a lot of the sales and things are drawn for wineries now it's come to the winery you know you can buy their wine in the store but there's something about going to a winery that i mean i do if i go to a winery you want to yeah it's an experience the wine is an experience yeah you get it's not coca-cola you know it's 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 an experience it's a lifestyle beverage i would say because it well and it's it's farmed which is pretty cool you know it's not like bottled things that just in a factory they make it it's you know it's produced it's it's different every year i mean if they have a bad year of growing it's going to change what they have yeah the whole whole culture is yeah it's based around like what kind of a farming culture right yeah that produces this like kind of high-end product i guess right it's a it's a farmed product so i mean that's what I like about it is that it's, you know, it's a product, but it's also has all this other stuff. Plus it's a, it's a great thing to shoot because you get to shoot everything. It's not just the liquid. You get to shoot the vineyards, you get to shoot the buildings, you get to shoot the, the winemaker, the, you know, there's, there's so much involved. The harvest, I mean, harvest is a, is a blast to shoot. Well, what, what do you mean? What do you, what about the harvest? Harvest is, you know, in August, September, even going into October and, you know, you're out there at, Three in the morning, you know, and they're they're picking. Three in the morning, oh yeah, like why? under lights because they don't want it to under. get in the heat. They don't want okay. it in the heat, so now they do a lot of the Deadline. a lot of is it is at night um, with big lights going through with tractors and stuff. So you're out there running with these guys. You're not working as hard as them by any means. I mean, the harvest workers, I have more respect than almost anyone for. They're amazing with how hard they work. Um, but you know, then then it goes from there and goes straight to the winery. Then it goes into the crush. Then it goes. It's this whole process, and it happens within hours. You know, it can't can't just sit. They don't bring it in, and let it sit for a week. It's it's got to go like right now. It starts getting crushed immediately. So there's all kinds of. It's really fun to shoot. That because sounds it's, fun. 
How do you really shoot good. the harvesting at three in the morning though? Is that high ISO? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you're I mean, wearing, do they have any lights pumped out there so they can see what they're doing? Yeah, but it's just where you are. Like if you step out of that light, it's pitch black. Like there's times where, in fact, just this last year, I was with an art director and he went down a sec another row. Well, those rows are, sometimes they can be half a mile or a mile long. He got into the row next to me and went down and I went to the other row. And I'm running and we lost each other for about an hour. And I was just really? shooting. I thought, well, he'll find me at some point. <laughs> but if you step out of the lights and you're in pitch black and like animals run by you, like coyotes and stuff. It's really cool. It's really, it's like you're in the middle of nowhere, you know, but you wow. can hear the tractor and that's awesome. And you have to watch out, you know, so it's also industrial. It's very industrial. Yeah. All the machines and the, the machines. So going back to my racing photography, you know, it's a little <laughs> slower moving, but it's the same thing. You know, you need to be careful and watch where you are. And, but I love harvest. Harvest is, and it's the smells. You smell the whole Napa Valley smells like wine and um, earthy. Cool. And yeah. It's yeah, really that, cool. that Sweet. sounds nice. What kind of photos are you getting of the harvest? So, because you're not really, I mean, a photojournalist. Mm -hmm. I mean, are you getting, are you kind of getting documentary moments from them working? Are you trying to get like details or what are you, how are it's, you, what are you shooting? I've been shooting what the, what a lot of the wineries call library, library things that they can use in PR, that they can use in a piece. They can like on their website, little pieces here and there. Mm -hmm. So they'll hire me to just stay with them for a week during harvest and just shoot and oh. have, you know, have images, like a library of images. Wow. So That's it's cool. kind of, you know, you, you're trying to look for fun things, you know. I like that term too. Yeah. And, and you know, it has, it has a life because things change on the way they do it. So there's kind of a... I was going to say, you do know, you find it interesting that different wineries have different approaches or is there kind of a standard? There's a standard, but they do all have their own their own uh, way that they they, they pick and their system. Yeah. And when you go into the the barrel room or whatever, you know, they, I, you know, I've gotten to the point where I can look at a barrel room and go, oh, that's, you know, that's Sebastiani or that's an, I, I can actually know what they are, which is really bizarre, you know, because they're just a bunch of barrels stacked. It's like a surfer looking at, oh, that's, that's Swami's, <laughs> you know, or that's, you know, you know, the surf spots, you know, the break. It's the yeah. same kind of concept. You know, I know vineyards. I know, oh, that's Mondavi's vineyard where they grow that or, you know, so I'm, that How part's many fun. years has it been now? Where um, you've learned all this? I've been shooting for wineries since probably. I think my first wine shoot was in 1992. So, and and it wasn't. I was shooting medical, and I was shooting you know all kinds of things at the time, and then it slowly just probably around the year 1999, 2000 is when it really became really heavily wine because I really just started marketing to wineries only, and anything else that came in, I'd take if it was my you know in my genre, but I. I wanted wineries, so I went after them. So you totally like became submerged in the culture. Yeah, and then even then moving to southern back to Southern California, you know, ten years ago, I thought I was gonna have to start reinvent myself and do something different. And then my the winery just kept calling. Yeah. So I go to Northern California every other week, you know, and I, so yeah. I still do it. Yeah. You know, which is pretty exciting that that happened, you know. Yeah. Didn't plan it, but that's what happened. That's great. So, how many years did you live in up in Northern California? Lived in Northern California for eighteen years. So, yeah, we lived in a little town called Sebastopol. Oh, I always say cool you've lived town. in the most mm -hmm. um, yeah. wonderful places in California. Yeah, yeah, I feel blessed to have lived in the place that I have. You know, yeah. I mean, moved from LA to there, it was like we got sheep and chickens, and we did the whole yeah. thing, horses and 
It's kind of That's funny. Dreamy. Yeah, dreamy we did up it there. Yeah, then we got rid of all the animals because, like, I can't feed them. I'm still at the studio. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of responsibility. That's not very dreamy. It's no, it isn't. Very it isn't. real. Yeah, yeah. I still drove my tractor for fun, but you know. <laughs> you had a tractor. Yeah, I had a Kubota tractor, and oh my next door neighbor, I, when I first moved there, he was he thought I was nuts because he was a classic farmer. Because what were you trying to grow? Um, just you just have to weed. You know, just have before we got oh. our sheep. Okay. I had to do this three acres of stuff. And I would get to the end of the row and I would do a wheelie and then turn it around and bring it down. And my what? next door neighbor, I look over, <laughs> he's with this cowboy hat and he's just shaking his head like, dang LA boy. You yeah. know, I mean, they could totally see it. I thought I better, I got to blend in. I got to start blending in, you know? <laughs> so then you went and bought the hat? <laughs> I bought the hat. Yeah, I, did, I got the boots and the hat and, you know, did the no whole thing. No more tractor yeah, wheelies. No more tractor wheelies. <laughs> That's what I love about up there. such a mix of that, that the farm, like with the earth, Kind of like normal life. I don't know if that normal life, but yeah, but it's mixed with such like a the wine industry is so highbrow. It's such a different right. Way. Well, and there's Napa and then there's Sonoma. There's two very different things. It's like Sonoma is still has a lot more cows, and Sonoma still has great, great wines, but they don't get, you know, they, their wines. Well, someone would be mad at me for saying it, but Sonoma and Napa wines are are equal in a lot of ways. Yeah. But Napa has done such a great job of making it very exclusive because it is a very small patch of land that they can grow in. But Sonoma is, if you want to just be a little more relaxed and go into wineries and enjoy it, I feel like you can go there. Napa, you you kind of dress up when you go to mm-hmm. the wineries. So, which is cool. I like both, you know, it both has their its place. Yeah. So if you're listening out there and you don't live here and you're visiting, <laughs> check out Sonoma County. Yeah. Sonoma County is where I send people. I mean, I love them both, but like the secret. Which is surprising because yeah. it's actually closer to the ocean. Right. Yeah, we live eight miles from the ocean. ocean right? Yeah, we lived eight miles from the ocean. Yeah, Sonoma goes down to Bodega Bay. Yeah. So which is where they shot the birds. Kind of... The movie The Birds was shot in Bodega Bay. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but, okay, so you shot a lot in Northern California, but mm-hmm. um, have you ever shot outside of California? Um, I mean, traveled anywhere? I, I did some shooting. I. I shot a catalog in Oklahoma, and uh, and I used to work for Paul Mitchell. Paul Mitchell Hair Care used to shoot all that. That was a client. That's where I met my wife. Actually, she was a oh. she was an art director, not an art director. Excuse me. She worked for the ad agency, and she hired me as a photographer to shoot <laughs> Paul Mitchell. So we um, always after joke. you guys were dating. No, <laughs> okay. we were not dating. I'd been shooting for them for. Uh, at least a year. You're shooting their pro- like their bottle, their products. Their products okay. in the studio, and uh, so we always say we met over a bottle of shampoo instead of wine. So, uh, um, and so we would travel together, and we just you know got to know each other, and boom, boom, boom. And but anyway, we were over in That's Hawaii. Funny. I was in Hawaii shooting a lot because they would send me over there. Well, it wasn't a lot, but I would go to to Hawaii to shoot because they wouldn't couldn't ship the avapui plant here. Oh, so I would shoot at the Paul Mitchell farm, which we're talking like 1995. And where was that? What island? It's on the big island. Okay. And uh, it was all solar. This was 1994, 1995. Even the oh, cars really? we were driving around were electric and solar. I mean, they were so far ahead of it. Good for them. You know, they were they were groundbreaking what they were doing over there. Awesome. So it was always really fun. And we had a little hut that was our studio on the property that we would build a set and shoot. And <laughs> it was fun. It was really one of those dream jobs. You know, nice. Was the studio yeah. kind of outside? It was outside. It was open with just a thatched hut over the top, and then it was open. And they, you know, in Hawaii, they do those where they have the kitchen is over there, it's a hut, and the sleeping area is over there, and it's a hut. So there were like five or six huts, and the one was just the hut where they, I don't even know what they did there, but it was 
we made it our studio when we'd go there. So it was really cool. Do you know if they still even have that? Yeah, the, the Avapui farm is still there. It's still there. Uh-huh. What is yeah. Avapui? I mean, I bought a, the shampoo many times. Yeah, so it's, a, like um, it's a, it's <laughs> a, it is a, a taro root. Ginger. No. Ginger? It's ginger. What? Yeah. It's a ginger root. It's a ginger root? That's grown in Hawaii. There's more than one ginger root? Yes. And oh. so they grew that there. And they grew other things too. Like every, when you were working, everything on the farm was edible. Like you could eat anything on this. I forget how many acres it was, but that's what it is. So it's all solar. It was wow. so cool. It was like so far ahead of its time, you know? So did you just like barefoot shoot like all these? Yeah, it was pretty pretty casual. And- it was pretty casual, <laughs> which was nice. And the guys that would help you... Um, the guy that ran the the farm, Harry, was a, was just a great guy. He was an old hippie from L.A. who John Paul, who was the owner of Paul Mitchell, still is, um, would, you know, he would just said, I want you to take care of the farm. And he did in his family. They lived just around the corner from there. And they were just this classic, great, peaceful hippie, just like exactly what hippies are supposed to be, you know? Yeah. Not angry hippies, like real hippies. You know what yeah. I mean? Like. Like really, the the Just real happy, deal. Happy, Peace, happy, happy, love. Well, and he was a biker, so you know he also ran the Kona Harley Davidson, <laughs> which I think was somehow he got that through John Paul. So John Paul was really good to people. He was did really, really good. You, to did people. you get? To, did you go on some Harley rides? No, never went on any Harley rides. That would have been fun though. Did I used to ride, ride dirt bikes. I was did, a dirt bike. Uh, yeah, and I rode street bikes, but never Harleys. I was more of a. The Japanese bike guy. So, so you knew, you know, John Paul, knew mm-hmm. John Paul. Yeah. So I traveled with him. Um, and so I would go to PR functions where he would always have all these stars and stuff. So it was really fun. You'd, you'd go there and there would be, you know, uh, I, one of the things my wife was laughing because she saw this happen. I was photographing him, John Paul and Pamela Anderson and him were talking. So I pulled Pam Anderson like this is a long time ago, aside and said, oh, I'll take some photos. So I took some pictures of her and she was happy to do it. And then I saw Buzz Aldrin walk by and I just stopped, <laughs> I just stopped talking to her and just turned around. And I realized it was so rude, but I turned around. I'm like, he went to the friggin' moon. Yeah. So I took pictures of him. I was just like, I just stopped. I almost dropped my oh camera my and God, just turned around funny. and started shooting him. Because <laughs> yeah. that good, was you're, way more You're a good man. You're a good man. So... It was like, yeah, so it was fun. The, the old cast of 90210, you know, just, it was, there were a lot of, you know, it was fun. Um, it was, they were full Paul was, Mitchell yeah. models, huh? Right. So it was like, it was, they'd have all these functions and everything he had, he always had something pretty great. Did you feel like a paparazzi or did you kind of feel like you were part of the I was part crew? of it. I was part of it. So it wasn't, it wasn't that type of thing where if I was sticking a camera, they all knew who I was, that I was there. Because I was there with him. Yeah. So I could take a picture. And what I think they knew, because they seemed to be comfortable with me taking their pictures, all of that film. And to this day, I only have a few pieces of film from that. Because that would all go to the PR company. And oh. that was part of the deal. Because they didn't want all that film out there of these people. of me. Just in, I mean, sometimes it would be at his house next to the hot tub. I mean, it would be that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Where people were having dinner and there'd be like five people you know, Pierce Brosnan in the hot tub, you know, <laughs> that they don't want that going to People Magazine. Does part of you was, wish you had those negatives? No, I think that the experience was fun and it was really, my wife and I would leave because she'd be there too because she worked for the ad agency and she worked for John Paul. And uh, we would then go back to Sebastopol. We'd fly back home, go to Sebastopol. We'd be sitting there in our house in the middle of the country going, this is so weird. This morning we were in Malibu with this function. You know, it was really cool. It was really fun, you know. So it was a good time. So That's I shot fun. for them for probably 10 years. So it was a, Paul Mitchell was a great company to shoot for. 
Christy and I talk about how like photography is sometimes really hard work and you're like tired and you're lugging around gear and mm -hmm. you're like sweaty and you've been laying on the floor taking shots and dirty grimy. And then like other times there, you know, you just end up in these places where you never expected and it's like this backstage pass and all right. of a sudden you're like surrounded with these people that, you know, you never thought you'd be standing next to. And it sounds like you kind of like got in some of those situations. And yeah, it's like, there's moments, you know, like you say, there's, I mean, there's the days that will, we, I have, this, I got it from my friend, uh, Sarah, it's a photographer Pilates where you've been standing in the same <laughs> position with your camera for like six hours. And you're like, <laughs> later you're like, Oh my God, I'm, I am so beat. And people look at you and say, how are you beat? <laughs> well, I've been holding this camera all day in this weird position and standing on ladders. And, you know, so you're right. There's yeah. a, it's very, very physical. It's super physical, you know? And I if know. you like laying on the ground, like you say, it's like, I mean, I still do push-ups. I mean, I'm getting too old for push-ups. Yeah. yeah. You're you never know? too old. So, if you, like, I know. you can do I it, you got to do it. Right? I can I need, do that. I need yeah. to do more push-ups. You can't grunt when you get up with the camera. You know, it's really embarrassing. You can't make that noise. You're not going to really get injured doing what I do, which I kind of like. It's like not being in construction. You're just carrying things that are two, three, four, five pounds, and maybe you might lift something that's 40 pounds for a second. But it's physical, so it keeps you in pretty good shape in a weird way. It's kind of a great business if you think about it. I hope so. Sometimes <laughs> my shoulder disagrees with me yeah. at the end of a wedding day. Uh, trying to find the right way to hold your equipment is always the kind of the challenges you get older. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, you, you worked with me and you, I think you commented, I don't use a strap on my cameras. Like I carry my cameras. I have no strap. You don't even have a, it doesn't even have a hand strap. No grip, nothing. I never have. I wish that I didn't have to, but there's so many times that I throw it over my shoulder. So my mm -hmm. hands are free and I can yeah. move whatever or do whatever. I should. I just don't. Well, you know, <laughs> so, if that so works for you, that's it great. It looks so much cooler it's, without a strap. And like, I don't know. how many times does the strap like in get front in your of the lens? Way? You know, yeah. I'm okay with the hand strap, but people don't have any strap. And I'll give you, you're an exception because I really like you, but I've seen people post pictures of that. I'm like, are you kidding me? Straps are great for not dropping your camera. Right. Because, but I also have this problem where my, I think I, my hands just like, oh, I feel like I have, right. I don't know, like little ticks where my hands just opened and then I would probably just drop my, drop my stuff. Um, you know, if you're shooting for a uh, food, mm -hmm. you're probably working and, and, and wine, I don't know, um, or certain restaurants, you're probably <laughs> shooting with some high-profile chefs? Um, sometimes. I mean, most of the chefs that I work with are, a lot of them are associated with the wineries because that's another experience. The wineries are now, that's becoming really big. I mean, it has been for quite a while, but even some of the smaller wineries, they have a chef on staff. And it's amazing who comes through as the chef for certain, you know, wineries because they do hire pretty high-end chefs. Um I love people, working with people chefs. People that you've heard of before or just, yeah, you just know yeah. in the industry that they're just like highly respected. They're respected. Um, and then some of them go on to, you know, do big things, you know, they, um, and some of them come, they get them, a lot of them out of the, uh, out of the hotels, the San Francisco hotels. So some of them are, you know, and name, name recognition kind of things. So chefs are cool. I think chefs are really cool. I, <laughs> I even like the kind of surly chefs <laughs> that kind of bark at everybody because I know, because um, I was a cook for five years in a restaurant and I used to say at the beginning of the night when it was a new guy, I'd say, look, I'm going to bark at you. I may seem like I'm a total jerk, 
But at the end of the night, I'm going to buy you a beer and we're going to just have a great time. And it's going to just completely be gone. <laughs> but it's because it's right now, it's stressful, and we've got to get this out now. Nice. It has to be perfect. And I find that that's what happens. But when you're shooting, they don't want to have a lot of time for that because this is a pain for them. They want to make food. Right. They want to be photographed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So um, some of them don't take to it. Some of them don't take to it. But I'm pretty good about just being a goofball and kind of not caring, you know, yeah. what they think. You roll so, with it. Yeah. So I roll with it and I have fun. Um, and then there's some chefs that I have that they have the look that mm-hmm. I shoot. One of them that I, I love, he has a place in Sonoma now. Um, he was the chef at St. Francis Winery, won a lot of awards. Yeah. Um, Dave Bush, Chef J- Dave Bush. I think I've been there. He's uh, They have a great program. If you want to do pairing there. Mm-hmm. Yes. And their new chef is awesome too, Brian. He's okay. he's awesome. But um, he was just, you know, you thought he was going to be surly and everything, but I always just got, I really liked the guy. And he would say something in his breath and we'd just be laughing, you know, and <laughs> Kevin was like, okay, whatever, you know. Someone would call it some French dish and he'd say, it's just a hamburger. You know, he's, you know, yet he was, <laughs> his food was incredible, you know. That's cool. So, yeah. A lot of them are really down to earth, but they have, I think there's a front, you know. Yeah. And you know but, how to roll with that, so yeah, and I, like pull it over on you. I spent enough time in restaurants, working in restaurants for you know thirteen years, that I know how to not slip on the floor, on the tile floor. You know, I know when to step behind someone, not to say just step behind a guy that's cutting. You know, say behind you or corner or you know. Yeah. So my that really does help, and I didn't know that that did at the time. It's that whole thing you do something in your life, and you're going, God, I can't believe I have to do this. Yeah. And then later, it becomes something you use. It you makes know? sense. Yeah. You know your way around. They trust you. Right. And you say things, you know, you call the the, the cookware things the correct thing, yeah. you know, which is kind of nice. So you earn your points. Like, right, this right. You kind of throw it out doing. there. And then some of them probably think, oh, he's trying to, you know, show <laughs> me what he knows. But, you know, whatever. It makes it more comfortable. I have a rule with shooting that I I can have what I know I could have, which would be like one drink. For, yeah. you know, I, I can't be drinking on a shoot, kind of. Yeah. What about for you on jobs? Has anyone ever tried to serve you too much, too many glasses of wine? I don't. I used to not have any. I I was very like, no. And then I realized that I was insulting people. Because if a winemaker is putting a glass of wine in front of you, you know, first of all, they're not trying to get you drunk. They're trying to share with you what they make and their, their art. So I always will have the glass of wine, not out of, you know, you know, because I have to, because I, I want to, um, and I get to drink some killer wine, you know, yeah. that way. But, um, I mean, just this last week, we're shooting food and wine. And so they poured wine while we were having lunch. And at wineries, they they do drink wine. You know, I mean, yeah. you, you drink wine while you're working. But, you know, if you're drinking too much, you won't last at a winery. You'll be gone. <laughs> so that's what someone told me recently. That I, I'm like, how does everyone drink? They're like, well, if someone drinks too much, they won't be here very long. Yeah. Because you can't work at a winery and drink too much all the time. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. The winemakers, of course, I mean, they're, I mean, they drink and spit most of the time, but, Mm. you know, they do drink. There are days they have to drink. In fact, there was a, I won't use a name, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's this wine. Um, (laughs) The winemaker, I was supposed to photograph him and the ad agency wasn't there and they kept saying, we need the shot of so-and-so. And And I'd be like, I think he's been tasting wine all day. And they're like, (laughs) we need the shot. I'm like, okay. So at the end of the day, I did his portrait and he just looks bombed. And it's not. He'd just been, he wasn't going anywhere. He was just sitting in his, you know, in his lab. 
drinking wine, yeah. but he'd been tasting wine all day long. And he just was half-masked eyes. And I know. the photo is cool, though. I mean, oh it's a total gosh. cool shot. Is he okay because with he's it? Sort of just, yeah, he's using it. So it just yeah. looks like he's, you know, oh, he just looks cool. very mellow. But yeah, it was like, funny. We were that's what trying it looked to, like when yeah. I look in the mirror. Yeah, exactly. Looks right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think, like, your style's been influenced by the that industry the wine and food industry or do you feel like you have your own style that you put into your work or both or you know i think think? the wine industry the wine industry was very behind the times for a long long time in their photography that was my theory and about four of the photographers that i work with um we all thought why can't we get them to go lifestyle why can't we get them to stop saying Tuscan. Why can't we stop mm-hmm. everything on stone? Why can't I, you know, can't we get some reclaimed wood? Can't we get some, you know, can we get some livestock? Can we backlight? Can't we do some flair? I mean, can't we do some stuff that we're seeing in every other industry? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it just started changing. And I, I think a few photographers and I kind of, hopefully I'm one of those people too. We kind of push, you know, you do the shot they want and then you start shooting yeah. your own thing and then you deliver that. And Nice. And it was interesting how you would see them start going, oh, we love this. It's like, yeah, it's tilted and it's backlit and it's it's not what you asked for. Yeah. So it kind of, you know, I think there's four or five. I can think of a few photographers that oh. kind of were in the forefront of that, that, that did that. I'm not going to take claim for that yeah. because I think I was a little slow on, the, on that because I was so, you know, stuck with just trying to get them what they wanted. Um, um, you know. Yeah, that's what I've realized as I shoot. Uh, more and more shoots for cl- for clients so or even band photography people have a vision and you already that you want to try to fulfill but then you got to realize that you are the photographer and you could definitely take it to another level and not be afraid to like do what they ask and then always push it to because you're the one that has the photographic eye that they can't right. quite yeah. vis- you know they, they don't quite have the that, that photography vision the same way that you do so yeah never be afraid to just like do what you do yeah. Someone told me once, um, you do one for them and then you do one for you. Yeah. I think there's something to that. And I, I think that I am finding that certain wineries I work for, they will, they're really into that now and they're more hands off. Like they'll leave while I'm shooting for like an hour nice. and then just come back and I'll get the shot that they told me they wanted, you know, that's either giving you a comp or something to, to work from. But I think there's something about doing it. It used to be like, oh, now I have to think, you know, before it was like, I'll do what they want. Like, so, a, like a shot list sort of yeah, thing shot or list. something. So it's nice to just go off of the shot list and shoot stuff. I think there's definitely, I think I, it took me way too many years to learn that. I, I'm just thinking about the shoots that I did last week in Sonoma County. I was standing there with the marketing director who was my art director. There used to be an actual art director, then the marketing person, then the, there would be 12 people on the set. You know, Now the marketing director is there and the winemaker is standing there behind saying, oh, well, that, I'd like to see a little more color in that wine. Well, he knows what it's supposed to look like, so I like yeah. that he's there. But it's a little smaller crew usually now than it yeah. used to be. So, I mean, do you still have some different kinds of photography you want to try? Or are you trying to get more into some, one realm of photography more or something you aspire to do? Or are you just kind of happy to keep your clients? And I'd like to shoot more breweries, more beer. I like shooting beer. Beer is fun. Um, You're in the right place for also, that. Yeah, and I, I haven't pursued it so much down here. I mean, I've shot for probably 10 or 15 breweries, um, small batch. And then also I used to shoot for Kroger. So it was like the big, 
all the big ones, but they, they're very, you know, it's like, this is what we want. Here's what it's going to be. We want it to look cold, you know, mm-hmm. but um, I, I think it's fun splashes and stuff like that. And I used to do more of that. And I want to get back to that. We're in the studio where you're actually splashing, you know, you, mm-hmm. you standing in a pool in a kiddie pool and you're throwing liquid around and <laughs> capturing those splashes, you know, like the vodka splash or the, you know, and I used to do more of that. Um, and that was always fun. That was like being a kid because you're really playing. Yeah. I've never actually yeah. shot anything like that where the whole um, movement in a product right. photography type. Yeah. You're throwing olives in a martini and trying to make it splash and, you know, adding a lot of, um, a lot of glycerin. Is it a pretty messy, messy process? It's really messy. I mean, we literally put it looks so a kiddie pool in the picture. Yeah. We'd put a kiddie pool in the studio and I would stand in that. It's because we would fill it up. It'd be filled with vodka by the end of the day. Not filled, but you know, yeah. an inch wow. or two of it. So you're close but, up. And beer is the same thing. If you do any beers that have any, you know, you have to pour it. The head comes up. You shoot it. Okay. Dump the glass. Bring in another glass. Pour it. Head comes up. So you, you do that over. Champagne is the same thing. So you might go through... You know, they need to send cases of beer for that. Yeah. Because it's motion. Because you really. use it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been great to have you here. I mean. Well, thank you. It's awesome you guys are doing this. I think I could ask you Here's so you. many more we questions. We have to ask him one more question. Oh, what's that? What is the last picture that is meaningful to you or stands out to you? Yeah. You interpret it how you you want. Recent? I don't, I don't know. I don't even know if it needs yeah. to have those confines. Because as you said that, I thought of a shot that I did just literally four days ago okay. at a winery yeah. of a chicken, yeah. believe it or not. Really? All day long, they were saying, we have these new chickens and we need shots of the chickens. <laughs> and we did not see the chickens all day long. As we're packing up the van, there came the chicken right out of the winery. It walked by as I was walking out these two doors of this barn. And my assistant said, there's a chicken. And I ran out there and I shot nice. these shots of it. And I just literally processed and retouched them about an hour before I came here. And it's such a cool shot. <laughs> it's one of those shots that I don't know if they want it, but I sure want it. Nice. You know? Can we maybe share that? We're going to make sure that's, that's, yeah, that's going to have to be on our the site. The chicken. Yeah. So. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, thank you, Tim. Thank it's you very much. so awesome. Thank, thank you. you so much. Cheers. And cheers. cheers. Let's do a little clink. Thank you. Thank you, Tim.